Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchak, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Introducing Gatekeeper from Calyptic Security. Zero trust access securing RDP and SSH connections with two-factor authentication without open ports to the internet, client installs, or VPN. Two years of partner-driven development brings audit-friendly access across all types of devices. Reduce stress and implement proper safeguards as advised by the FBI, NSA, and DHS, all in a purpose-built solution for small businesses. Interested? Learn more by visiting calyptics.com gatekeeper, and when you do, tell them Carl sent you. This is Carl Polichuk. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined today by Ryan Dennehy, who is a three times entrepreneur and the founder and CEO of Electric. Uh, having experienced the pain and frustration that many business owners encounter in managing their IT infrastructure and support needs, Ryan's light bulb idea to create a cloud-based, real-time, 24-7 IT support ecosystem laid the foundation for Electric's vision to redefine IT support for a new generation. Welcome, sir. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. And and what does all that mean? So let's you know, you got a, a lot of really great keywords. So what is cloud yeah, what based, real time, twenty four seven. I didn't write that, um, but it, uh, yeah, the, I mean the, the the best way, the simplest way to think about it is we do IT support for small and medium sized businesses. But instead of delivering our solution as a service, we deliver it as a subscription software solution with great account management on top of it. So, you know, my my the real pain point I, I felt years ago when I was running my previous startup in, in San Francisco was we were a 40 person company. We didn't have an in-house IT person. Um, so someone had to do all that work. Right. And, and that often fell to me. And so every week it was something. It was, hey, I've got to, you know, set up 10 different computers for new hires. I've got to fix the Wi-Fi. Oh, we've got all these new applications we're using, but nobody's set up to use them correctly. Um, and I just, you know, I looked around kind of the rest of our business, the rest of our office, and I said, well, every other kind of boring, repetitive back office task is, is being solved with software, right? If I want to file an expense report, we had Expensify and you know, not, right. not, an, not, an, you know, not a, an accounting clerk who was doing it, right? If I wanted to do, you know, benefits and payroll, we were at the time, we were using a tool called Zenefits and it was very easy. I could kind of log in and do it. And so, but somehow with IT, there was nothing, you know? Um, and, and so I was, I was stunned that, that no solution like that existed, a modern IT solution for small businesses. So I built it. So walk me through what you mean by software, because if I have a new desktop setup. Mm -hmm. Clearly the software doesn't take it out of the box, put it on the desk, yeah. plug in the wires. So where 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 does the software begin? <laughs> yeah. So we we basically do three things. It's uh, SaaS management, device management, network and server management, right? And so we support anything that's in the cloud. And, you know, so the average customer we're working with um, is, you know, usually under 100 employees. We have some who are in the many hundreds of employees, but usually under 100 employees. Uh, and they're using anywhere from like 30 to 50 different SaaS applications. And so, you know, we, 
we manage all that, you know, for you. You have a nice dashboard you can log into. You can see everything in one place. These are all my applications. These are sort of the permissions everyone has. Um, we manage the devices. So, um, for example, one of our first customers was a 30-person ad agency. When you sign up with us, you'll get an email. You click to install our software. Um, and there's a software agent that goes on the machine. And that enables us to, you know, makes it really easy for us to do things like um, secure the device, right? Uh, manage, you know, the fire, all the sort of boring stuff on the back end that you want to make sure somebody's paying attention so, to. So this is on my local device, like the, the computer I'm on right now. Not, yeah, you would, not you would click, yeah, you would click to download. And now all of a sudden that computer is connected to a cloud managed solution, right? Our, our solution. And so all the kind of boring security stuff on the back end, it makes it really easy for us to, to handle that. But also, you know, if you need an application installed, um, you know, no one has to necessarily remote into your computer. You could just say, hey, I, I don't have Keynote on this, on this machine. Uh, electric help. And you can reach out to us on Slack and... Next thing you know, boom, there's Keynote on your machine. Um, and so we've really just tried to eliminate all the friction that typically was associated with IT support. So do, is there a ticketing system or is it just Slack that they would? Uh, Slack, Microsoft Teams, and email. Uh, if you find yourself in a really hairy situation, you can always pick up the phone and call us, but 99% of the tickets don't... Uh, don't ever come to that, you know, and in our view too, I mean, my, my, my experience also working at big companies was that IT ticketing systems were kind of the bane of my existence. You know, I worked at my first corporate job was at USA Today. And I just remember, you know, having issues with Outlook and you'd sort of fill out the ticket and go, well, all right, maybe I should go to lunch. <laughs> maybe I'll hear back from someone, you know, so we, so that was the other part. We just said, look, you got to make it easy. If, if, people are already spending their day in Slack or Microsoft Teams talking to their colleagues, just throw your IT provider in there too and make it easy. Very cool. And so who are your general clients? Is it mostly in New York or is it all over the country, all over the world? Or Yeah, you know, now we, so we got our start back in 2017. We were just focused on companies in New York City because that's where we were based. And, uh, and we were focused on a really narrow band of customers. It was companies that were just Apple computer users and just using uh, G Suite, you know, Gmail for their, for their email. We started really narrow like that so that we could get really good at just supporting those things. Um, we said, you know, if we're just working with customers in our backyard, we can be there if we need to. If we're just supporting a limited number of things, we can be great at that. And then we can add stuff in over time. And so... You know, over the last four years, that's what we've done. We, you know, now we, we support companies in, you know, dozens of markets in the U.S. Um, we don't yet support companies that are headquartered outside of the U.S., but we support thousands of users um, who work for our U.S.-based companies who may be working abroad. Right. So what about hours? Because uh, a year ago today, I was teaching classes in Thailand at midnight because that was... <laughs> yesterday at 9 a.m. in the United States. So, you know, what do you do when people are actually around the world? Uh, we just, you know, we have different hours and there's different plans that you can sign up for. You know, not everybody needs 24-7 or 24-5, uh, you know, for example. So we try to, we try not to make everything too much of a, of a one size, you know, fits all. Uh, but, we, you know, we also, we have support teams on, on both coasts. We have support teams around the world. So that makes it a little bit easier for us to, to do that. I, I had a similar experience. I was in 
I was in Abu Dhabi in December of 2019. And I think it must have been, it was like a scene out of Lost in Translation where Bill Murray is on the elliptical at three in the morning in Japan because he can't sleep. It, you know, it was like, it was like 2 a.m. in my hotel room. And I, you know, and I, and I had just gotten a new laptop before I went there. And I was trying to get into the spreadsheet for an investor meeting I had the next day. And I was like, wait, I don't even have Excel on this computer. Right. <laughs> what am I going to do? And then I was like, oh, wait, hold on. I, I forget. I'm actually the CEO of an IT company. I should reach out to our support team. And so I pulled up Slack and about 12 minutes later. Uh, I had the whole Microsoft Office suite downloaded on my computer. Very cool. So um, what about, um, I guess, uh, Amazon Web Service desktops or Microsoft, you know, uh, desktops. Um, do you support those as well? Any uh, any Mac or Windows machine that's you know relatively current. I think if you're one, you know, Windows 2000, we might have an issue there. But if it's relatively current of like the last decade, um, you know, our our software, we we partner with two companies that actually build the software that we um, install on the machines. Uh, we partner with a company called Jamf. Um, who's the sort of the market leader in, in Mac management tools, and then Kaseya, who's a similar market leader in Windows. So yeah, if you're using a Mac or Windows machine and we can deploy the, the software on there, you know, the rest is up to us. You won't have to think about it. I guess your technicians don't really know or care whether it's physical or virtual. They do not. Yeah, as long as, look, as, long as we have access and it's a system we're familiar with, it doesn't right. really matter where it is. So um, how do you get clients? Like, how do you find people in Oregon or whatever? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's funny. This was, this was the biggest question that a lot of folks in the industry had initially, right? So the, one of the things that helped me arrive at this concept was my, my previous startup, in addition to sort of feeling the pains as the de facto IT guy, um, my, my previous company was a, was a retail analytics business and we sold our product through a network of local IT providers. And so these were typically small businesses who were in the business of helping other small businesses with their IT. Uh, and there's about 25,000 of these, they're called managed service providers, MSPs. There's about 25,000 of them uh, in the US. So I got to know that market pretty well. And the biggest problem, one of the biggest problems in that market is those businesses have a hard time scaling. Um, of the 25,000, there's only a few thousand that ever get above about a million or two in annual recurring revenue. And it's typically because building out the sales and marketing function is very difficult. You know, there are, of those 25,000, there are several thousand phenomenal local IT providers. However, the vast majority of them are IT guys who are, became accidental business people, right? Right. And so sales and marketing, as you know, for any business, big or small, is often the hardest thing. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, the best marketer wins, the best salesperson often, uh, often wins. And so feedback I got sort of from the MSP community was, hey, it's really hard to acquire customers. You can't sell this product over the phone. You've got to have people showing up in person. The customer wants to know that it's, you know, Bob from down the street. Uh, you know, not some faceless corporation. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to challenge that because right now every business all over America, all over the world is buying software at a ridiculously fast rate. I mean, think about the number of tools you're probably using. I mean, every, every single business process we have here internally, it's, it's running off a piece of software that we bought 
probably over the phone, right? right. And but you, you mentioned the 30 to 50 software as a service applications is the average. Yeah. Uh, my friend Dave Sobel, when he was with SolarWinds, uh, he passed around a memo and he's like, how many apps are you using? Because most of the management thought that it would be between three and 10. Right. Right. And of course they're worldwide, right? And it turns out, it, I can't remember the exact number, but it was above 50. It was probably more like 70, you know, and half the company didn't know what the other half of the company was using. No clue, because yeah. People are buying this stuff without going through IT. It's going through marketing or through whatever, your manager who has a credit card <laughs> can buy yeah. services, so. And that's, and that's totally fine, right? I think that the, the mindset in IT now is like, hey, that's great, you, you find a tool that you like and, and it works, awesome. At some point though, those things do have to be standardized. They do have to be formalized. You know, one of there's there's a company um, in our space called Better Cloud. Though they sell to to slightly larger enterprises. We don't go after the same customers, but you know, they they were the first to pioneer. They made it really easy for for larger companies to manage their corporate G Suite accounts. And one of the ways that they were able to to get a foothold into a lot of businesses was they would be able to go to a company and say. Hey, do you know that 5,000 confidential documents are viewable to anybody who has the link on the internet? <laughs> you know, and, and so what, you know, whether, whether you're Netflix and you're whatever, 10,000 employees or your local ad agency with 30, at the end of the day, if it's totally fine for your employees to, to kind of buy their own tools and try them out. But at some point, if you're going to have 70 apps, what you can't have is that, you know, a dozen of them are surfacing confidential information on oh, the web. Absolutely. Right. So, uh, do you still work with MSPs? Yeah, it's it's funny. We um, so what we did is is we've been really clear about the fact that we're you know we're not here to put MSPs out of business. You know, we we in and of ourselves are effectively just an MSP on steroids, a big lumbering venture backed MSP. But um, you know, but but the market's so big. I mean, every business in America needs some type of IT support. And to the point we, you know, we were just talking about it around the number of, of SaaS applications that people are using, the burden's only going to get bigger. It's going to change, but it's going to keep getting bigger. So I think there's plenty of market to go around for, uh, uh, for anyone. For us though, 80% of SMBs have never worked with an MSP before. And it's partly because most MSPs don't have sales organizations. So it's even if there's a lot of MSPs, it's very hard for them to get in front of customers and support their existing customers. But two, the services heavy nature of, of MSP work means that it's kind of an all or nothing proposition. You know, if you want to get great IT support from a local MSP, you either get nothing or you pay top dollar. And so in, in paying top dollar to get good service is totally worth it, but there's no in-between. And so what we've really been trying to do is say, as we build more software, can we build slightly lighter weight IT offerings that we can sell as a kind of an entry point to begin your IT managed services journey um, so that it's not just the, I'm going from nothing to having to pay 30, 40, $50,000 a year, right? Mm -hmm. um, and as a result, you know, what we've been able to do is that that's proven to be effective. And so part of why we, we raised venture money uh, was to, to fund our sales and marketing you know, hiring salespeople is expensive. Training them is expensive. Um, it's expensive even when they're producing. It's really expensive when they're not producing. And, you know, and those are investments that take years to pay back. So um, 
how did you do well? I, I don't want to make it sound like it's over, but how have you been doing in the last year in the pandemic? Has your business been exploding or kind of on hold or? Yeah, um, it, not exploding per se, but but we had our best year ever last year is probably the best way to put it. You know, we um, and, and so for context for, for anybody listening, you know, when we started in 2017, we really had to prove that a you could sell managed IT support over the phone that it didn't have to be me walking office to office and kind of peddling the solution uh, and two we had to prove that we could actually build software that could enable us to deliver IT support more efficiently than just a whole office full of humans um, and so we started really small I'd raised a little bit of money from investors and you know and we had four employees and one support guy uh, who we hired from Geek Squad uh, named Julian and you know, we, we signed up a few customers that were, that were, you know, looking for a new provider. And we, have, we had four customers, four employees, a couple hundred end users we were supporting. And, uh, and within about a week, we realized, hey, people like this. People like being able to access their IT provider on, on Slack. They like getting these really nice reports at the end of every week. They like the, the flat rate pricing model. Um, and we scaled it from there. We ended up with, I think, about 60 customers at the end of the first year. Um, got to our first million dollars in revenue, uh, you know, in that first year, raised a little bit more money from investors and then just kind of brick by brick, just sort of kept, kind of kept building it. And so, um, you know, we ended last year, we, we doubled, we doubled the business again in 2020. Um, we, we ended last year just shy of 20 million in, in annual recurring revenue. We have close to 300 employees now. Um, you know, so we went from being a small business, supporting other small businesses to a slightly larger uh, I guess, small business, depending on your classification. Um, but yeah, the, the interesting thing about the pandemic was that like everybody, when it first started in March, you know, uh, or sort of late February, March, we paused a lot of things internally because I didn't know, you didn't know what's right. going to happen, right? And so, and so April, what, we, what we saw in April of 2020 was that no businesses were spending money on anything. You know, our sales were actually pretty good in March because I think as people saw the pandemic coming, they were like, well, you know what? I, we're already down the line with our team. Let's, let's get this deal done. And April, we closed practically no business. But in May, started to come back in again. And then June was just a tidal wave. We had, our, we had at the time our biggest sales month ever in June because as businesses realized that the world wasn't actually going to end. <laughs> I think that plus the, the first round of PPP funding and the fact that, you know, most of the businesses we serve are, you know, businesses of knowledge workers. You know, we weren't really exposed to retail or travel right. or hospitality. And so by June, people, you know, people stopped paying their, their landlord, but they were continued to pay or started to pay their IT providers because this, you know, the computer, the software took the place of the office. Right. Well, I think our industry sort of stepped up in a way that uh, almost nobody foresaw. I mean, we kind of were the heroes of getting people hooked up in their homes and back in business without a hitch. And, you know, I think the cloud is obviously a huge piece of that, you know, that so many businesses realized, oh, we can't do this without four walls and a server. <laughs> I think it was really surprising. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I'm, I'm really bullish on obviously, you know, my, my business, the broadly the IT business and the MSP industry as a whole, but really any, anyone, anyone that's in the, that's in the business of, of making remote work or hybrid work 
easier. I think there's going to be a lot of sustained demand. I think, I don't know, you know, you're, you're feeling on this, but every business owner I talked to has basically said, yeah, we want to go back to the office, but we don't need to be back five days a week. Right. It is an interesting thing. I think more people want to go back to the office than you would get by reading the newspaper or, or looking at the, the online uh, commentaries. You know, there's kind of a sense, oh, that's, that's all done. It's in the past. It's over. It's like, no. <laughs> well, you Almost know what like doesn't make for a salacious headline is some thoughtful middle ground, right? It's either like, you know, oh, every major bank is going to call their employees back five days a week or, you know, Twitter's completely getting rid of their office. It's like, well, actually, for probably 75% of companies, it's like, we're going to keep the office and we might not expand it, but it's going to be there and we're still going to show up, just not maybe not every day. Yeah. And I think that that there's, there's going to be most people are going to go back to some office, but it's going to look a little bit different. You know, and I always think about there's probably a 15 to 30% change, you know, after any major monster, you know, earthquake event. And that's going to be the same here, you know. It won't be a hundred percent change, but it'll be a significant change. Um, and I think for the most part, it's good. I think a lot of business owners realize that what you do, what I do um, really is the future, right? This, this whole thing like, oh, we've been talking about the cloud forever, but that doesn't apply to me because I just have 10 employees. <laughs> well, maybe, you know. So I, I think that, that a lot of people have realized that their technology can be far more flexible than they thought before. So very cool. Um, so let me get back to MSPs. If, if there are people who are local and they want to partner with you, is that still something that they can get into? Oh, big time. Yeah. It's, um, you know, there's, there's so much stuff that our customers want that is a little bit outside of our wheelhouse, right? You know, our core managed service offering is, uh, you know, is our bread and butter, but I'll give you a great example of, of the types of things we can partner on. Um, one with our existing customers, as people start, we're already starting to get requests of people saying, hey, I wanna get my office ready for my employees coming back this spring or this summer. And you, it blow your mind. I mean, just some of the things people are talking about of, hey, I wanna spend 50, $100,000 and redo, the, redo all the tech in the office. So there's going to be a flood of really big ticket, really juicy, I think really interesting technical, physical infrastructure challenges to solve. And so we've got, we've got close to 500 customers all over the country who you know, are, are great MSP customers who understand the value of spending money on these things. Um, but something like you know, kind of an office infrastructure kind of overhaul or an office move or whatever, we don't, we don't do that. You know, we like to have a small group of, you know, really well vetted local partners that can come in with us and sit down with the client and say, Hey, tell us your vision. And then we really want the partner, you know, uh, let's say you're in Atlanta, you know, we want the local partner partners in Atlanta to be able to go run with that and, and, and be the boots on the ground there. So we think that, you know, those, some MSPs don't like, um, you know, kind of doing sort of project work standalone if it's not a managed services customer. But, you know, I think these, these bigger, more strategic projects are pretty interesting, particularly when, you know, we can, we can supply, you know, start to become a good source of those if right. we can find good partners. And then the other thing that'll happen too is there's still just a ton of companies who kind of knock on our door 
And, you know, we get through the evaluation process and we say, hey, you know what? That's just not for us for right now. And so that's the other thing where partners can benefit is, is you know, we, we have a, a number of great partners here in New York who have done these big ticket uh, office moves and office infrastructure redesigns. And then what will happen is, you know, we'll get an upstart hedge fund who's willing to pay $30,000 a month for, you know, the Rolls Royce of managed services. We don't do that. <laughs> you know, if, you're, if that's what you're looking for, you know, we're not, um, you know, we're not, we're not the ones for these, these, these highly complex or highly kind of bespoke or, or highly white glove kind of solutions. But guess what? That's where the partners can come in again. So not only are you going to get potentially some really juicy one-time projects out of it, but there's always more demand than we can, than is necessarily a fit for us. And we like to pass those to people we like. Well, my suspicion is that the second half of 2021 will be dominated by new Zoom conference room installs <laughs> or, or teams, you know, where we need a 60 inch TV. We need it wall mounted, connected to the network. We need a, a little, just, a, just enough of a, a Nook device behind there to get us going. And I think that'll be a nonstop business for some people. Oh yeah. And, and those are the things where we tell, we, we started to tell our customers, that's not where you want to save a few bucks. Right. Like, th think about how much time you're spending on video. If like the really good microphone setup is a thousand bucks and the crummy ones, 200, like, is that really where you're going to save $800? Right. No, it shouldn't be. <laughs> exactly. So um, with the, with the projects going forward, um, what kind of new stuff do you think that you're going to be adding in the next year? Uh, you know, the, the, the biggest thing is, well, for sort of twofold for existing customers, what, what we're doing is we're building more software to make it easy to deploy uh, third-party tools. And I'll, I'll give you an example, antivirus, right? Everyone's, it's, you can't go a week without hearing about something in the news related to a security breach, right? Um, and so when we think about like an antivirus offering or any other kind of security related add-on, for the average small business, you know, you don't want to be out trying to evaluate your own tools. That's why you work with your IT provider. So we, what we're trying to do is take it a step further and actually automate as much of the deployment management of these third-party tools seamlessly with our, with our offerings so that, you know, if, the, if, if you know, we, like we sent out an email blast to our customers uh, a couple weeks ago saying, hey, it's the top of the year. Security should be top of mind. You know, we're partners with Malwarebytes. We see you're not using it. You know, we think this would be a really smart decision for you. Well, if the customer comes back in a month and says, hey, now I'm ready, you know, we want to make it as easy as basically hitting a button and, you know, you get a nice confirmation email that says, hey, you're, you're, you're protected and we'll take care of the rest. You know, we do a lot of that today. It's a bit more manual. Um, and so what we want to be able to do is just add as many of those solutions on the back end. So we can, on the one hand, tailor the solution to the customer, but on the other hand, be able to roll it out really quickly and really efficiently. So they'd basically click on it and would say, hey, this may be a chargeable uh, activity. Do you want to proceed? And they say yes. And then it installs the software. Yeah. Or, you know, or they come out of the quarterly business review with, with their account manager and they say, hey, I, I really like the idea of a cloud-based VPN and, and some new antivirus. We don't want them to have to really lift too many fingers after that. So, right. So we're almost out of time, believe it or not, but I, I do have one final question, which is security, because yeah. right now it seems to me last year, MSPs were the focus of all the bad guys trying to use our tools to get into our clients. 
This year, I think it's going to be accountants and attorneys and other people who've got client data, client information on their systems, and frequently send emails that say things like, hey, click here and send us your tax information. Uh, so are you guys seeing a lot of activity on that front? Yeah, I would say the, 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 the biggest shift that we've seen is in the last, I don't know, call it, yeah, well, no, I mean, the last two years, definitely the last 18 months, but, you know, four years ago when we got the business started, I couldn't get anyone to care about security. I mean, it was, you'd be, you'd be the exception, not the rule. I mean, even, even actual tech startups, I'd be talking to a VP of engineering saying, you know, hey, like, why are you pushing back on having an RMM tool on your machine? Like, you can't have these devices be unmanaged. Well, we've never been hacked. So what's the point? And, you know, and. I mean, thank God, those, those conversations are becoming a lot less frequent, you know? And so I think if there's any positive to some of these higher profile breaches, it's that the average small business owner is now highly aware, or at least much more aware than they used to be about the importance of security, about what can happen when things go wrong. And the fact that these things happen to businesses of all sizes um, yeah. And so I, I, I totally agree. I mean, we've, we've just seen an unbelievable demand from companies saying, look, I don't, I'm not the expert, but just help me just <laughs> deploy what you need to deploy. And so, yeah, that's, uh, I think for all MSPs, that's, that's an angle that you want to lean into. Obviously there's a difference between being an MSP and an MSSP. Um, however, I think the role that the MSP plays in, 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 a, in a client's uh, security posture is one where all the just table stakes stuff, the basics that can prevent, you know, most of the, the breaches or hacking incidents um, is well within the four walls of what an MSP is set up to do. And, and that's what people want. So it's yep. our job to give it to them. Absolutely. All right. Ryan Dennehy from Electric. Um, how do people get a hold of you on LinkedIn or whatever? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very responsive on, on, on email. Uh, obviously, we have a big team here. But, uh, you know, if you're, if you're an MSP and any of this sounds interesting and you want to talk about partnering, feel free to reach out to me directly. My email is ryan at electric.ai. Uh, and, and worst case, I'll connect you with the right person uh, internally on our team to, to get you set up. Very good. Well, thank you for joining us today. This is Carl with the SMB Community Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.